0: Hey, what's up guys, Michael Pullman here and welcome back to The M Word, a podcast where I sit down and talk to people about their lives, their careers, their passions, their journeys and their challenges. Today I am going to be sitting down and chatting to a fascinating young man, Oscar Howell is a 20 year old journalist out of Wintech. Here in Hamilton, and he has done for a young man. He's done a lot of work in in the esports space and uh, in, in other spaces as well. He's been on the project uh, show on on TV Three. Um, he's done work for Radio New Zealand, etc., etc. So uh, he he was a guy who really as he says himself he wants to be he wants to be the best at, at what he does and his chosen career is is being a journalist and I found his just the whole chat to be very 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 enjoyable so um, I hope you guys enjoy that too. If you want to support what we do here please consider giving a subscribe on uh whatever podcast platform you're listening uh to this on whether that be Spotify Apple uh Pocket Cast Google Podcasts whatever whatever it is please uh subscribe and give us a good rating share with your friends tell your friends all about it pass it on on social media all that stuff um the home of the podcast is anchor.fm this is of course made with the support Of the people there at Anchor. A free, yes, a free platform that you can use to make your own podcast. So go to anchor.fm to sign up. And if you want to find the homepage for this podcast. It is anchor.fm forward slash Michael Pullman podcast. That's anchor.fm forward slash Michael Pullman podcast. Podcast. I've got a feeling you're going to enjoy uh, the confidence, if nothing else, from the uh, the chat with Oscar. Really, really cool guy. And just another person that I've met along with the way of this crazy journey I've been on and, and Oscar's been on this crazy industry that is the media business. So enjoy the chat. Enough from me. Let's roll the intro. All right, Oscar. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Crazy, crazy times right now. How are you doing? Are you safe?
1: Yeah, safe as uh, just basically sitting around at, at home, not really doing much. I'm not. I'm also not the nominated person to go out and do the grocery shopping, so uh, just that extra level of safety there, I suppose.
0: I can I can identify with that, man. I I haven't really left the house. Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's crazy times. We were just um watching the Prime Minister's press conference before. Um I should explain to the audience that I am late uh to doing this podcast because <laughs> I I messaged you two minutes before and said, Hey, can we can we just wait a bit? Um obviously it, it's all it's all we're talking about right now, so I'd better ask you how you know, what do you make of COVID nineteen? <clears throat> Oh, look,
1: I mean, I just, I guess the big thing for me is that there is just so much punditry going on and so many opinions going on at the moment. Um, I almost, I'm almost kind of loath to add my own one into the mix because, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's, they're scary times. Uh, the word unprecedented is thrown around a lot. I'll throw it around too. Unprecedented yeah. times, definitely. Um, but yeah, I think it's just about just finding a new way to do things that you otherwise couldn't do but that there are ways to do it. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying these, these little press conferences. I, I, I look forward to seeing, uh, Ashley Bloomfield
0: get up there and tell us all about it. It's good. It's entertaining. It's become like a daily ritual way. Like everyone tunes in and watches the, the press conference. Um, you know, you and me, we both love the media business and we'll, we'll probably talk about that as, as we go on. But, um, uh, you know, what do you make of um, of the you mentioned before? There's been a lot of punditry about it. Um, how do you think the media are sort of handling uh, the the crisis? Yeah, I mean. It's kind of 50 50
1: to me in some ways. Um, I, there's a lot of great reporting going on, um, despite kind of strained budgets and resources. Um, yeah, a lot of very talented people out there doing a lot of talented things. Um, at the same time, I have, I kind of have a bit of an issue, a little bit, a little bit of an extra grind when it comes to people who, I mean, probably aren't the most informed and, um, aren't kind of are in that sphere of public influence, making kind of these big wide overarching calls. Um, I do take issue with that. And I think we could probably use a little less of that and a little more informed information, but there are some amazing, some great pundits out there doing some amazing work as well. So, um, yeah, it's kind of taking the, taking the good with the bad, I suppose.
0: Totally agree. I totally agree with you, Duncan Greve from the spinoff was saying on his podcast the other day, you know, that, that for some of these journalists, it's, uh, they're putting out the best work that they'll ever do in their career. So, but you are right. You know, it's, uh, probably fifty-fifty at this point. As um, I do with all, all the guests on these podcasts, um, I sort of like to start out by providing a bit of context. So for, for people who, who don't know who who you are, Oscar, why don't you tell tell people a bit about who you are and, and what you do. Okay, so uh, my name is Oscar
1: Howe. Uh, I am 20 years old and I live in the beautiful city of Hamilton. Um, I am a recent graduate journalist from Wintech, the local Polytech. Uh, I'm the top graduate, I guess you'd say. Um, And I have this crazy burning love for the niche kind of sporting code known as esports. And I've basically spent the last year, year and a half, um, sinking my time and effort into uh, bringing it to the forefront of New Zealand's media. Um, and so that has been my drive
0: Let's jump into in, into Esports and, and you, you live in the same City as me, That that's great um, to, Just talk about you, you did a piece Recently, of, uh, you called it The Esports Viewer's Guide in the Coronavirus Lockdown um, and, and you know we're seeing a lot of sporting Codes at the moment uh, Because they can't play on the field They're you know, transitioning into These, these esports um, stuff you've seen about supercars do that, for example, um, Is now the time that you know esports kind of finally clicks in, into the mainstream psyche.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a great question. Um, I think it's it's definitely one of the opportunities, and I'm not sure it's going to be one of those kind of um, like but like light switch moments where it's just going to happen um, with the the, the the click of your fingers, but. Um, I think there's definitely an opportunity for it, too. As you said, a lot of these sporting codes that people are uh, that people consider almost a way of life, um, they're absent at the moment. Um, sport, obviously, something massively ingrained in, in culture here in New Zealand, also wider in the wider world. Um, and I think with the similarities that are in a lot of these games that are being transitioned to, um, fans will still be able to get that kind of similar sense. And also then when you get kind of add into that, there's this whole kind of worship of the professional athlete. Um, you know, you've got these, these mega stars and these sporting fields. Um, they're also getting involved as well. So, I mean, it's, I guess it's less about looking at the similarities and more about looking at the differences. And at this stage, um, there aren't many esport codes that, that have any of these big differences that, that fans will find abrasive or jarring. So um, I definitely do, as you said, the racing uh, iNASCAR is putting out some insane numbers. I think they've just been going from strength to strength. Um, that started out with Fox running a, uh, a trial iNASCAR series. Um, they then, after the first stream, it hit almost a million viewers, which is on cable TV, which is insane—the highest-rated esports um, program of all time. They so they then signed it on for the rest of the season because it was such a success that those numbers are skyrocketing. Um, you got things like your supercars, your uh, IndyCar, I think Scott Dixon's and in the IndyCars doing uh, the uh, so, E-IndyCar yeah. e, e, e or something like that. I can't <laughs> remember. Um, and then you've got places, things like FIFA doing the FIFA E-World Cup. Uh, you've got the NBA are about to launch theirs, I believe. I've heard, I've heard a bit of rumors about that. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a big exciting times and there's a lot of stuff out there for people to get into if they're, they're about it.
0: I did a piece for Radio New Zealand um, back in January about some of the things that traditional broadcasting can learn from esports. And, and I think um, what we're seeing at the moment and, and what has always been the case is the the accessibility um, that esports has. You know, it's on YouTube, it's on Twitch, it's on social media. Um, and most of the time it's free, Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's more than most. It's 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 it would be highly unusual if it wasn't free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what gets people into it, right? It's so instead of paying for your, God, I don't even know what Sky Sport costs nowadays. But instead of paying for Sky Sport, you can go out and watch, um, go out and watch some esports on Twitch. I mean, it's it certainly I certainly got into it through that. Um, and mm-hmm. then the, the kind of branching out into YouTube and as you said, things like Facebook, um, and then kind of you know putting them sometimes putting the streams and sites really started to um made it more accessible for the market to get into and for fans to get into
0: do, do you think that traditional sporting bodies can learn in terms of how they broadcast from what esports are doing i mean yeah, money well, is a big factor in all of this isn't it but yeah you know. yeah
1: um i think there's there's a fine line that you'd have to walk right like it's uh, there are definitely some in, in terms of some of the ways that's that these traditional sporting bodies could diversify how they broadcast. So maybe getting off those traditional, you know, TV, TV runs, you know, these, these TV contracts, um, I guess, they're, they're, and they're, but at, at the same time there are restrict, restrictions, right? So I mean, having the ability to, to make income off these subs- Subscribers who regularly buy the sports package on sky, you know, that is their bread and butter Um, The the benefit with esports is that it's such a it can be such a low-cost Branch that you know, they don't need to be able to recoup that kind of income through things like subscriber packages So they can afford to broadcast it for free Um, So yeah, I think there is a there is um, a lot to be learned in in that kind of um, in regards to that But it would take time and, and there are obviously some big differences that you wouldn't be able to overcome 100%.
0: When I first started, I mean, I haven't done nearly as much in the esports space as you have, but when I first started writing pieces for Radio New Zealand, a lot of people were in my ear about, you know, the prize money in esports. And there is a – how does it work? You probably know this a lot more than I do, but my understanding is that, you know – Fortnite world cup for example you know the likes of epic have have a lot of um sway and and you know putting the money in and microtransactions and all that but is in your estimation is, is there enough money in esports to, to make it a career yet um i think it kind of depends
1: uh, a lot of um I think I believe that a lot of the pros out there in the various eSport codes don't um make the majority of their income from these prize winnings. In fact, a lot of them treat it almost as a secondary income, um very much along the same lines as how pro sports players you know mostly use their endorsements and their their ambassadorships as ways to to make the majority of their income. I believe that's kind of getting that way with with eSports fans, which is another one of those kind of weird similarities between eSports and sports that kind of mingle a little bit. but, yeah, um, I've certainly seen situations where teams will, you know, they, they some of them won't even bother playing um, playing for bronze, playing the third and fourth final, the runners-up, because um, it's, just, it's just not worth it, which is gobsmacking to me. Because, you know, when you're talking about these $500,000, 750000 you know, million-dollar tournaments, to not play for runners-up is, is nuts until you realise that actually, you know, they can make... Just as much money doing this, doing streaming in the part time, you know, streaming their practices and uh, working with some of the sponsorships and brands that they they're aligned with, um, than prize money, which is ludicrous to me. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'm also not an esports player, so <laughs>
0: yeah, very interesting. Um, you know, the, the streaming side of this this industry, and I think without you know live streaming and, and YouTube and Twitch and that. There wouldn't be an esports industry, right? Like how how important is that side to to the overall esports economy, as it would
1: the streaming side? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's 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 um essential. It's it's a vital kind of component in a number of ways. I mean, as I mentioned, um, obviously most games are broadcast live on Twitch or YouTube, no delay. Um and it's all very easy to do because there's no live camera feed really, unless it's one of those crazy high value productions. Um, it can all be, there's a, there's very little production that goes into it. Um, which I mean, actually it's kind of a, a, a bit of a lie because a lot of these big tournaments do have these massive production budgets and they've got the big studio set up, all this yada, 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 but you don't have to stream the game live um, from an arena or from a stadium. So there's a lot of um, ways that you can avoid that through streaming. Um, and secondly, um, as I said, a lot of these players make their bread and butter from, um, from these kind of personal streams that they do. And because all of the brands and all of the teams and all of the players are so integrated in this one big, I guess, mesh of a scene, you know, there's, there's so much overlap, right? So it's like, you'll yeah. have, you might have this big skin. Uh, I'm not sure how kind of technical I'm getting here, but a skin betting website where people will, you know, bet their in-game cosmetic items on the results of games as a kind of, um, alternative to using real money you know um a lot of these skin betting sites sponsor a lot of the big players um a lot of the big uh tech brands also sponsor these players in these tournaments so yeah i think it's definitely one of those kind of essential components that the industry would really struggle to survive without a bit
0: well um we sort of talked about this a wee bit already but like when you look at what's happening here in new zealand um you know let's play are coming out with new initiatives every other week it's really great to see the growth that they're having for example um you know you look at Waikato like, university with the omen arena and the scholarship program uh, you know potentially that's going to be happening in auckland and canterbury as well what, what do you make of in the high school week as well what, what do you make of the state of these sports in new zealand right now yeah, I mean, again, it's one of those things,
1: right? It's We're so isolated. We're so far away from um, the big esports hubs of the world, your Europe's, your America's, your um, kind of Asia's. Um, so it can be difficult, and it can be really difficult for the, some of the aspiring players and some of the quite talented players to to make it through. At the moment, I think the biggest, um, I guess, connect connection here is Australia because um, kind of like, you know, an aspiring actor would, would fly out to Hollywood on the last bucks for their ticket – um, a lot of these players are moving to Australia with the hopes of getting signed and then getting noticed by international rosters. Um, so, I mean, it's it's here, it's small and it's thriving and it is it is very much a community and a small community at that. But um, it's not without its fair share of challenges, I'll say.
0: Mm. Well, um, there's a lot of, like, uh, particularly in the traditional media, there's a lot of sort of, like, scoffing at, at esports and, you know, oh, it's not really a sport and stuff. From your time covering this industry, you know what are the things you've noticed in terms of how hard you know the the athletes themselves work, but also the uh, you know the, the the groups and companies behind them. It's it it's really it's quite an interesting industry, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've um, it, it kind of sounds a little bit like tall poppy syndrome to me. I think a lot of I'm not really coming out here to offend sports fans across New Zealand, but I do believe that a lot of sports fans are kind of hesitant to, to um, even dip their their little toe into esports just out of fear of maybe enjoying it. Um, and it is also quite easy to shoot down, right? I mean, I, I'm not going to go into it too much, but gaming has always been kind of looked down upon as this, um, reclusive, you know anti-competitive, anti-social activity. I mean, the World Health classified gaming um, gaming as an addiction. Like, you know, yep. um, back in, I think it was 2018. And I mean, now look at it. They're coming, they're coming out and they're saying it's probably going to be an integral way that many people are going to get through this COVID lockdown. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are some prejudices against it. Um, and I think um, it's going to take a lot of work from people both inside and outside the esports industry to change some minds. Um, but again, I look forward to that. Um, there are some very promising signs going on in the New Zealand media, uh, as you will know. As you will know, Stuff has partnered with Let's yep. Play Live um, to kind of bring more e- bring esports more to the to the, to the um, forefront of news. Um, and then, obviously, with the absence of traditional sports, I mean, what else is the sporting segment on? You know, on the six yep. o'clock news going to cover at this stage? I mean, there's only so many times I can I can watch um, a rugby player kick a ball around his backyard, for example. Yep. So eventually people are going to start looking for alternatives. And I mean, we've started to see it. I was watching a great, um, I don't remember which of the channels, but one of them covered Scott Dixon and, and the Indy cars. And I think that's excellent and it's needed. And we're going to see more of it because we're still going to need to run the sports bulletin. Maybe it's a good time for, for people to, to dip their toe to esports.
0: Now I, uh, with your permission, there's a, I mentioned it off here, there's a WinTech article all about you. And you know the very beginnings of your career. It's it's hard to believe, mate, that you are only twenty years of age. Um, I'm going to link this in the in the show notes, but I, I want to talk to you about your journey, and and we're kind of going to go all around here uh, because I I love talking about the business that is media and journalism, and I'm, I'm sure you do too. You came from the same uh, you know, school, as it were, that I did in Wintech here in Hamilton. Was that right?
1: Yep, I did my yep. I did my uh, bachelor of media arts, majoring in journalism.
0: So you worked with the likes of Richard Walker and and all those guys.
1: Yeah, sure did. I caught some of the the teachers, um, some of the great teachers of Wintech, But Wintech's kind of undergoing a bit of a transitional period at the moment. Um, yep. obviously with the kind of the the. How how would you put it? how all of the media organisation, all of the yeah. tertiary institutes are coming together? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, I was at I was at the very last I was the um I was the final wave of full three year course um graduates once yep. before they transitioned. I was the final year, so yep. I got the very last out of it.
0: So you did the Bachelor of Media Arts, is that right? Yep. Bachelor yep. of Media Arts.
1: Three years.
0: Yeah, because there, there is an option as well for people to do that diploma, right, which is the one year. But I mean, I personally, I'm an advocate of the three years, right, because you, you just learn so much about about media in that time. So talk to me a, a wee bit about about your time at Wintech um, and, and was journalism always something that you wanted to do or... Was it something that you thought was like for me i I thought it would be cool but i I fell in love with the business when I started at wintech you know what I mean mm. um
1: I think i was I always kind of had a fascination with journalism from a very young age um it was always something that interested me, but I think moving through high school and especially in the later stage of stages of high school um I really had no kind of idea what it was I wanted to go into um what I what my career path to be outside of high school um yeah. I did luck out I kind of had a um a hallelujah moment so to speak and and, and it kind of shaped the way that I moved into um this kind of field in of my of, the, of my career um I, I went into media writing in my final year of high school and then signed up with Wintech and then I guess the rest they say is history I did elect to go for the three-year course because Um, as you said, it's the one year course is great. The diploma is great, but I just felt like there was just so much that I could learn from three years and I'm young. Um, I've still got time on my side, I guess is the best way to put it. So I was more than happy to kind of put three years into that and it all came out, um, spiffingly.
0: Yep. When did you sort of decide about esports being something that you really wanted to focus on in, in terms of a media career?
1: yeah um that i'm not sure that was such a uh a, no sorry i lie. that was a conscious decision um it wasn't one of those things where i kind of beat around the bush for a while it was um it was kind of a another another hallelujah moment so to speak so um i've been kind of dancing around the subject of, of games journalism, kind of looking into game reviews and, and talking to some developers and stuff like that. Nothing too intense and nothing too serious. But um, basically there was this big event called IEM Sydney, which happened in May 2019. Um, and it was over in Sydney. And I was absolutely desperate to go and visit it because um, it's the kind of mecca of uh, it's kind of Australasian, Southeast Asian. Esports and I was determined to go and I was determined to make something of it. And so uh, I decided that I'd reach out to stuff and Ask if they would be interested in kind of coming to a bit of an agreement about me putting out some content around it and uh, them taking it and uh, Luckily they said yes, and so I arranged my media pass and then I mean within a month I was sitting on a plane flying over to Sydney and from there I had probably the most intense Three or four days of my life. Um, it was a, yep. it was an experience because I, I'd never, you know, I'd never taken the responsibility upon myself to you know get myself from A to B, um, making sure. I've, the, the, the funniest bit was making sure I was on a tra- on a train early enough to get to the airport for my flight. Um, probably the most stressful moment of my life. Yep. But. Yep. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely that that was my my landmark moment.
0: Last week on the podcast, when I was talking to Hugh Binning in uh, the voice, sorry, NBL voice, he will say, and you just sort of touched on it there about, you know, sending emails, you know, like you, you have this idea, you, you kind of, you get in touch with stuff. Um, did you know how, like, did you, did you know how to do that? Was it like, did you just, you know, ask somebody at WinTech if they had any, any contacts? How did all that come about? Um,
1: I think it's more just about, you know, putting on your big boy pants and doing it, really. Um, Mm. I didn't have, I didn't use, I didn't really go through WinTech to ask for a contact for it. Um, I found the sports editor for Stuff's email address. Um, I wrote out a banging pitch and then I pitched it. And I mean, luckily enough, he said, yeah, it sounds great. Um, And then I I also used that opportunity to send an email to um, Afternoons on RNZ and ask them if they would be interested in talking to me while I was over there. And uh, again, they said, yeah. And that actually eventually led on to an internship that I did with RNZ, um, yep. which I had an absolute blast with. So, yeah, I think if there's one message to get across in this situation, it's I mean, you know, you won't get if you don't ask.
0: And being willing to push yourself. Now, there's a fascinating quote in this WinTech story, and, and um, I'm just going to read it. So, this is what, what you said um, the difference between a good student and someone wanting to be the best is that you're willing to push yourself. When, where did that come from? When, when did you have that kind of realization? Was it about, you know, you kind of pushing yourself and realizing that when you do that, you kind of, you can get opportunities. Nah, it was probably the day that I
1: walked into Wintech, to be honest. I mean, uh, I enjoyed I really enjoyed hanging out with all my classmates and stuff. But I, I was really just dedicated to, to being the number one. Um I've always kind of been very competitive when it comes to, you know, academia and sport and this and that and the other. So um wanting to be the the very best at WinTech and then, you know, eventual dreams of world domination, that all just kind of falls and in, falls into line. So no, for me that was that was very much a thing I kind of decided on at the beginning of of the first day of the first class, you know, it was that I wanted to be the absolute number one. Um, and I wanted to kind of really show that I could compete with some of the New Zealand's journalists as well, which um, is still kind of an ongoing goal for me.
0: Who, who in the New Zealand media space, you know, who are some of the, the people that you look up to and, and try and model yourself maybe on or, or against in some cases? Um,
1: oh, that's a, that's a hard question. That's a, a, bit of a devilish one. Um,
0: I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I everyone's,
1: everyone's got role models, right? Um, yeah. So for me, my role model growing up was John Campbell, um, and the likes of John Campbell so he, and people like Patrick Gower as well. Um, I yeah, I, there are definitely people that I looked up to and that I can, did consider role models, and um, a lot of them did help me get into the whole journalism sphere and, and uh, sphere and inspire me to kind of push myself and go further. So yeah, I think um, I th- I kind of have a lot of respect for everyone in the in the industry as a whole, yeah. um, and uh, I think I probably oh, yeah I'd say I, I guess I'd say I just generally look up to the industry. Like if you if, I, if if I'm being introduced to a journalist, I'm I'm always very excited because I feel like everyone can te- can you can learn something from everyone, and everyone yeah. can teach you something. And I guess it's it's about meeting as many people and and making meaningful connections with as many people. Um, That kind of give you good opportunities and also, you know, create lifelong friendships.
0: Now, I'm I'm sure you've got an opinion on this. And I, every time I talk to another journalist, I always kind of manage to wiggle this into the conversation. But, you know, social media is is a big, and I can hear everybody listening sighing because they know where I'm going with this. Social media is a big part of what we do. You know, we, we, you have to be on Twitter and, and, and keeping up with the, the pace and, and all that. But, you know, it's also, social media is also accessible um, in a lot of ways. What what do you, how do you use social media, you know? Do you pay a whole lot of attention to Twitter and followers and stuff like that?
1: Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely prolific, Um I'm I'm in the generation raised by social media. So, I mean, I I just, I can't be separated from it. Um, Twitter, I I kind of use as a really, um, I actually find it a really valuable source of information. um, A great source of potential stories and potential leads. uh, Because a lot of people who've got a lot of interesting things to say do use Twitter as that platform. So, I mean, whether it be somebody ranting about being sacked from a team or even in the most recent situation, um, things like match throwing, match manipulation, um, a lot of that dirty laundry does get aired out on Twitter. So places like that are a really valuable kind of frontier town to, to be familiar with. Mm. So, um, and then, oh, and the other ones I'm just kind of on. I enjoy, I enjoy swiping through the old Instagram and uh, I, look at, I look at memes on Facebook. What can I say? But definitely Twitter is the big one.
0: News always breaks first on Twitter, right? So you gotta, you, you kind of gotta be there. Um, yeah, you know. Do, do you find that when you, because I mean, you're only twenty years old, but you you kind of got a really impressive CV. Um, when your work gets published in mainstream media, you know, you you tend to get a lot more, you know, eyeballs on on your social media. Um, does it become more noisy for you? Like more noisy, as in more, you know, like more people trying to, more opportunities, I guess. Yeah. Um.
1: I mean, I'd always, I always kind of look towards the opportunity to get more, right? Um. So I guess if if someone does find me on Twitter, please hit me up because I do enjoy talking to people, and I'll always be interested in the story. But um, kind of here and there. Um, It leads, I think the big thing is that it leads to exposure in the kind of relevant fields that I'm in. So in the journalism industry, which I I adore, um, and then also in the esports industry as well. So, I mean, having the opportunity to talk to people in the esports industry comes a lot easier when they've got kind of notable pieces of work to refer to. Um, And I think that's that's just about building trust, Um, people being able to trust your brand and being able to trust who you are as a journalist. Um something that I definitely kind of value. So I think the big things that I'm trying to put out is that, you know, if you read a piece of mine, it's it's gonna be good. Um and it's gonna be I'm not gonna be trying to screw anyone over in it. Um and I'm not gonna be just kind of looking for the clickbait. I really wanna find the real story. So that's something that I really try and convey to people as well.
0: What are some of the challenges that that you've had? Um, you, you know, 2019 seems like it was a great year, but I imagine it was also a year of a lot of eye-opening as well. I mean, talk to me about some of the, the challenges that you've had um, early on in your career.
1: Um, I think I've been pretty lucky in that I've managed to avoid some of the big ones, some of the scary ones. I've managed to avoid the big lawsuits and have managed to avoid uh, messing up in court is another big one, um, but I think I guess the biggest challenge is that the 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 big one is self doubt, um, and the big and the other big one is is being too quick to kind of push yourself into the into the into the kind of echo chamber. Um, yeah, I, I I would kind of put those down as my two biggest challenges because I'm I am a very vocal person, I'm very energetic, and I do spend like ninety five percent of my waking moments on Twitter. So um, definitely trying not to put a foot wrong is a big thing that I have to focus on. And I've I've largely avoided that so far. But again, self-doubt is another big one. Um, I guess the recent revelations and the recent developments with COVID um, Mm. towards the journalism industry has kind of shown that it doesn't really matter how good you are. um, You're always going to be at risk of of your company folding or being made redundant. Um, And that is kind of a terrifying prospect because... Um, as someone who wants to be the best and who also wants to, you know, forge a really good career out of journalism, um, seeing that, you know, these traditional, these things that traditionally you'd think would protect you from things like being made redundant um, don't really apply in that sphere. And, Mm. you know, there's always, it always carries that risk. And that is absolutely terrifying to me. So um, i definitely say those are the two big ones.
0: I, I totally agree. And I mean, I think the, especially like, sports media, uh, I mean for me you know, like I two weeks ago I was, you know working with NZME and you know, producing regular content and now it's it's nothing, you know and it's, uh, I think for the sports media space, you know maybe not so much of esports but it's it's just the state of um, we don't know what's going to happen right now and, and what brought that home was like Radio Sport last week, you know, I mean some of the best minds in, in our business just completely gone like that. I mean, are you, I'm sure you are, you know, are you thinking much about where to from here or is it like you're just sort of seeing what happens?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, well, this one at the moment is just about trying to ride out the storm. Right. Um. So I'm really just trying to, um, I guess avoid catching coronavirus is probably the biggest thing. But um, yeah, that, that for me, unfortunately, that does mean lockdown. I think it means lockdown for most people. Journalists don't really get a free pass in that. Um, but after that, um, I really just hope I can hit the ground running, I suppose. Um, put my name out in front of as many faces as possible. Um, and then, yeah, just be, be, the, be the person on the end of everyone's tongues. Be the name on everyone, sorry, be the name on the end of everyone else's tongues is the best mm-hmm. way to put it, is what I meant to say.
0: And, and how do you achieve that? I mean, is it is it by doing really good work? Yeah, I think it's about about producing work
1: in the sphere that's relevant, um, producing interesting work. There's not really much point about writing the best best article in the world if no one's going to read it. Um, and then also just kind of trying to stay up to date, trying to stay relevant, um, and not getting yourself cancelled. Mm-hmm.
0: Definitely. Um so it's interesting, we're sort of getting close to wrapping up, but you mentioned earlier that you, you're not an eSports athlete yourself, but you have a I assume a, a massive interest in, in gaming in general.
1: Oh yeah, you can't can't keep me away from it. I play games pretty much twenty four seven at this stage.
0: Yeah. What platform are you? Please tell me you're on console, you're not one of those PC guys uh,
1: <laughs> I built a PC just before the whole coronavirus thing hit out of fears that um, coronavirus would start playing around with the cost of PC parts So I kind of just bit the bullet and, and, and made a, uh, a lovely big PC and now I spend most of my time playing Rainbow Six and Counter-Strike So I'm well involved in uh, both the games as well as the esports
0: Yep, yep, and you play console as well?
1: Oh yes, yeah, sometimes I've got I've got an old Xbox lying around, although um it's only good it's only really good for the old RPGs, you know, Skyrim Fallout Four, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So so you won't be paying too much attention to like PS five and the Xbox Series X.
1: Oh, well I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I hope it um yeah. I hope it really starts to ramp up. Like the console wars have always been amazing to watch because it really is always about who can one up the other. Um and that's really led to some really cool things. So um, I mean, looking back, last time we got uh, Xbox backwards compatibility on Xbox One, maybe we'll see something even cooler coming out on uh, PlayStation 5 or something like
0: that. Yeah, no, it'll be great. Um, hey, Oscar, man, I really appreciate the time, bro. It's been a, a really fascinating chat. Um, uh, last question, I mean, what would your advice be for fellow um Journalists who, you know, maybe are just starting out at Wintec and, and want to make a career out
1: of this. Ah, oh, um, I guess the big ones is just just keep being um, keep being there, keep talking to people, keep making making friends in the industry, and I guess find something you love and become um, so involved in it that you really become some people want to talk, to, somebody people want to talk to when it comes to talking about that. And I think that's the big one.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Oscar. Appreciate it.
1: No worries, Mike. It's been great being uh, being on. Thanks for having me.
0: Cool. No worries.